Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, August 11th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage experts, building expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events and how they'll affect your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 Or you can also go online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for our show today, Nancy Jutton of Nancy S. Jutton Marketing. The nine best ways to make the most of your marketing table or event sponsorship to come home with clients, connections, collaborations, and most important, a little bit of cash. Also in studio, Britt Whitmer with Avenue Properties, the Seattle Shutdown. And last guest in studio, Deanna Barley with Keller Williams Realty Everett. Thinking outside the box in today's market, great information and great guest in studio. As always, if you would like to connect with the guests that we have on the show, you can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at com. And we'll start out today's show, just as we do each week, with a little money chat. Money. Money. Housing construction in Seattle is setting records while other local suburbs are at record lows. Despite the record construction spree in Seattle, housing growth is actually down a bit this decade across King County as a whole. This is because development in the suburbs has plunged from the historical average. For decades, housing construction in King County looked about how you'd expect. Seattle, which is about one-third of the county's population, built about one-third of the region's new housing. The suburbs that make up the rest of the county built the rest. But now that it has all changed, Seattle is building housing like never before, and the housing growth has slowed significantly for the suburbs. The shift is a result of a combination of developers chasing the biggest profits in Seattle, where housing demands have gone through the roof, and and the Seattle leaders have opened up floodgates for bigger buildings and suburbs restricting new construction through zoning laws that all but ban new housing in most parts of the region. Now, overall, Seattle housing construction has grown 130% this decade compared to the average over the prior three decades, while housing developments in the suburbs have dropped 43% from its historical average. And it all up, all up and in the county as a whole as actually on pace for slight decline in the overall number of homes being built in the deck in this decade, despite Seattle's building frenzy. That's only part of the explanation for decades. Local suburbs also built quite a lot of apartments, combo, condos, townhouses, and other dense forms of housing from 1980 to 2010. Now, Seattle counted for about 40% of all apartments and other multifamily buildings built in King County. This is crazy. For decades, that the suburbs actually built more apartments than Seattle. 
Now, this decade, Seattle has built 70% of the county's dense housing, despite having only 15% of the country's development land. Now, when looking just at apartments and other multifamily buildings, construction is down 27% in the suburbs from its historical average. Now, the biggest difference now is that vacant development land isn't nearly as abundant as it used to be. So this means to add housing, they need to redevelop some of the already existing, like parking lot and little strip malls. Now, Seattle's doing this in a big way, completely transforming some of the low-density neighborhoods and towers and block-long apartments mid-size, while the suburbs have done this in a much more measured way, or in some cases, not at all. Overall, housing growth in the suburbs is this decade has lagged a bit behind the even average of the state where demands of housings are less intense. Now, the reason housing construction has slowed down, it's because fewer people want homes, just the opposite. In the past, the few years in King County has rocketed up the charts on the most expensive place to buy a home or rent an apartment. A big factor in the housing demand is the job growth, which lures people to move here, and the balance between job and housing growth has changed too. So the region's actually built housing is a little more quickly than it adds jobs in the 19. 90s and in the 2000s. So in other words, it roughly built uh, enough homes for people who are in need, helping prevent the intense competition that has pushed up home prices and rents. So for the decade, the number of new jobs has soared twice as fast in the new housing. That holds true even in the account for efforts of rescission by looking just in the last five years. So specifically, housing growth in Seattle has nearly kept pace with jobs but not in the suburbs. Uh, It's not like builders have that many options, all but a couple of the small strips in the city zone exclusively for single-family homes. The same is true throughout the King County. The trend of housing being funneled into Seattle and away from the suburbs is likely to continue. So right now, Seattle has 62% of all apartments under construction in King County, according to the Department Insight Real Data, which tracks construction and planning of buildings with at least 50 units. In the country suburbs, Renton and Bellevue, Redmond and Bellevue, uh, host more than half of the apartments underway now. So looking further into the future, the forecast calls for an even stronger uh, deliverance. Seattle has 82% of all the apartments planned, but not yet under construction in King County amongst the large buildings. So there are more apartments planned in the core of downtown Seattle than all of the county's suburbs combined. Not all of the units will be built, but still Seattle has nearly 28,000 apartments in the pipeline, while all suburbs, suburbs combined have about 6,000 planned amongst large buildings. So interesting data, I just wanted to share with you here a little bit about what's going on in Seattle compared to everywhere else in King County. Coming up next on the Money Hour, the nine best ways to make the most of your marketing table, event sponsorship, and come home with clients, connections, collaboration, and cast. Nancy Jutton of Nancy Jutton Marketing right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Are you looking for a real estate agent who will take the time to listen to your needs and will be your greatest advocate when it comes to buying or selling your home? Deanna Barley with Keller Williams Realty goes above and beyond and is an agent you can trust. Deanna uses her expertise to represent her clients effectively and enjoys helping them achieve their real estate goals. Hi, this is Deanna Barley, and I'd like to be your biggest advocate for all your real estate needs. Give me a call at 253-468-5062. That's 253-468-5062. 
You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, August 11th show. It's a great day to talk money, and that's what the show's all about, how to make money, save money, and build a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 or you can also go online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Nancy Jutton of Nancy S. Jutton Marketing. And she's going to share with us the nine best ways to make the most of your marketing table or event sponsorship to come home with clients, connections, collaboration, and a little bit of cash. Well, in Nancy's case, it's probably a lot of cash. Have you ever invested in a sponsorship table at a business lunch or an industry event? Have you ever been thinking about it or just can't pull the trigger because you're not sure what to do and how to make the most of it? Well, Nancy's going to be a great resource for us today. And Nancy, thank you so much for coming back in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you here with us. It's always good to be here. Thanks for having me. And a little bit about Nancy. Uh, Together with her husband, certified financial planner, professional Steve Jutton, they guide couples to share power, access, and control over their personal financial information, even after life is served up a little bump in the road. This is especially important when something happens along the road to of life when one needs to step to be an advocate for another or be in a position of being able to drive life forward no matter what without losing valuable time or time away from searching for essential documents that they need. They offer ease of use tools and optimistic approach to getting this done and accountability to couples and families across the country so that they stop procrastinating, stop, start powerful conversations, get their personal financial lives in order and on equal footing. And of course, correct for even better things to come. Nancy is also a, a leading industry in sharing her wealth of information that she has with business professionals to really help them uh, get known, get paid, and doing what they love to do. And I'm really excited about my conversation or our conversation. I left you out there, Keelan. What the heck? Thank you. Our conversation. Thank you. Our conversation. Our conversation about, um, you know, really having to maximize uh, your presence when you're at an event. So, Nancy, thanks again for coming in. Great to be here. So, Nancy, we've all done it. You know, you put some money out there. You think you're, you know, sponsoring an event or marketing a table and just nothing comes of it. So what is the top tip you could give us for those of us who are going to fork out some cash at some event and hopefully drum up some business? Well, I have nine tips if we can share them. (laughs) We got a little bit of time here. What I would say first off is how you do anything is how you do everything. So from the moment you put your feet on the property where the event is, you are on. When you're checking into the hotel, when you're dealing with the waiters, when you're dealing with the service personnel, when you're dealing with the AV people, you have got a smile on your face. You're there to serve. You'll be there to be a contribution. And don't ever forget that because there will be people watching you and they will remember how you showed up. So show up like a rock star everywhere you go, gracious, of service, and interested in others and not interested only in yourself. That's always excellent advice. 
Yeah, I love that, Nancy. And I have to say that you do that every time that I see you. And I, I want to bring that in because we have a lot of different listeners uh, here today. We have people may not be part of the workforce, and we definitely have a lot of people that are doing a lot of different things in the workforce. And this conversation is really around life and how you present yourself every day when you show up. And this is really focused around an event and some things to do, but um, really important advice to, to really be your best self all the time. So, Nancy, what else do you, uh, do you recommend? Well, you know, I just came back from Denver, Colorado, where my husband and I were um, breaking bread and talking shop with about 100 financial advisors. Uh And there were 27 sponsors. So imagine that it's going to be sponsor spotlight moment, and you're given two minutes or less to say who you are, what you're here for, and why anybody would want to stop by your booth. Uh Well, I was standing there watching these people waste their opportunity. They spent the first 20 seconds saying, thank you, it's so good to be here, thank you for putting on this event, blah, 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 blah. Uh And everybody's looking at their watch and looking at their phone and wishing they were in Philadelphia. So what I think is important is if you're given one to two minutes to stand in front of a whole room of people that could be your perfect client, start with an enrolling question that everyone can say yes to and then tell them that you are the answer to their prayer and then give them a compelling reason to stop by your booth so that they can get the religion and get to know you and see what the magic is waiting for them. Because when I did that just the other day, I actually got a standing ovation. And people said to me, oh my gosh, that was an amazing talk you gave. It was a one minute commercial. But people, people came to see us and we were like, I felt like Lucy in that psychiatric you know, five cents, take a seat in my office. Let me show you my bag of tricks. There was a line waiting. So don't waste your moment of in the spotlight, make it pound. I love that. And, you know, an an easy formula that you can use that I try to follow is, you know, risk and benefit. I always believe the balance and everything. And I believe in starting with the, you want the bad news or the good news. Always give me the bad news and end with the the good news. So give a a risk if you don't, the benefit you do, Um, or the problem that they have and why you are their solution. And you can easily nail that in your 60 or 120 seconds. I love that. You got to be prepared. So, Nancy, we got our game face on. We showed up. We're uh, doing our thing, and you're well prepared. You've taken advantage of your spotlight. What's next? Well, I'd like you to consider ways that you can engage passersby to make sure they stop, look, listen, and engage with you. And I would say to that also, don't ever underestimate the value and the attraction of a really good old-fashioned Tootsie Pop because Mm -hmm. people love to stop (laughs) And they love to talk to you about that. And then if you have other goodies like thumb drives that are customized with your name that that are already packaged with what it is that you're inviting people to buy so that they can go to their hotel room and check it out more completely, that's a really useful gift that will serve you and will serve them too. Premiums are a good idea. Yeah, and having something, you know, having something fun there that they can take with them, um, having something maybe a little bit crazy that they'll go, wow, that's, I need to stop by and see what that's all about. And, and you know, really being able to engage in, and start in that conversation. I love that. Uh, what then, Nancy? Well, I'm a big fan of having a business card drawing so that there is yeah. something valuable for people to win. And in our case, we actually made available these demonstration notebooks of what the Life Goes On Roadmap licensing opportunity is all about. And we actually gave people the opportunity to check them out and take them back to their hotel room so they could read them and see how awesome they were. But we also made it available as something that people could win. 
And at the end of the conference, we drew a name, and the person just about jumped out of her skin when she won it. And of course, I asked her to pose for a photo opportunity, and I posted it all across Facebook, and she posted it all across Facebook, and everybody's wondering, what the heck is that, and how can I get one? Uh So what do you have that's relevant and interesting and of service to your audience that you could actually give away as a prize that has suitable value that people will actually be sitting on their hands hoping that you pick their name? Yes. It feels like you have like an event and an event, Nancy. Like you have your oh, own thing does. going oh, on. Oh, she does. Oh, that's good. The event and the event. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's and like then the event afterwards she has too. Yeah. Yes. You're stealing the show and uh, <laughs> making it yours, right? And attracting people, little goodies. I know I've taken out like little trinkets after the mm-hmm. fact and you're like, oh yeah, I remember. So uh, what's next after that? Well, here's a ninja tip I highly recommend. It's not just the folks that are attending the event or the conference that you want to make friends with. It's also your fellow exhibitors. So while you're getting ready and setting up your exhibit, go ahead and take a genuine, deliberate interest in every single exhibitor. Find out what they're there for. Find out what their mission is. See if there's some kind of common ground where you can create a collaboration that can take your product and their product far and wide. Be open to those kinds of strategic alliances, because what I found in this particular conference is that we were the only company that did what it is that we did, and there were some big movers and shakers and industry association leaders that took a genuine interest and said, this could be a member benefit for all of our thousands of members. This could be something that we make available to all of our clients who deal with our advisors. And I'm thinking to myself, hot dog, hallelujah. I'm talking to people every day and everywhere there's an opportunity. Hot dog, hallelujah. Yeah. So be, that's a ninja tip that has paid off handsomely for me year after year after year. Just make sure you get to know all the exhibitors. And then one other tip, which I think is really important to bring out, we all have cell phones, don't we? Mm -hmm. Don't be that exhibitor that's sitting there looking at your phone with your head down and not even looking up to see who's passing by. Because one of the things I noticed is, my, oh, my, so many people do that. They don't certainly create an an avenue where you're actually excited to approach someone if your head is down and you're looking at your phone. Put your phone away and look people right in the eye. Invite them to have a seat right next to you. Go nose to nose, toe to toe. Have a real conversation. And also, or you could leave the phone out and you could do some little Facebook Live or something and and show the activity and the fun that's happening over at your booth, right? I wish I would have done that. (laughs) That's a really good idea. Well, you were just talking about uh, business professionals and connecting with them. And so I was just going to say that's one of the really great things. And I've learned a lot from you, uh, Nancy, as you know, because I've shared with you many times. But uh, through my coaching program, I, you know, talk about the importance of uh, for business professionals to really connect with other business professionals that should be the core of your business because I always say they're doing business today they can support you today and most importantly they need you today because we each have our own expertise in our own field and there are other power partners that we need in order to service our clients and you are one of the power partners that they need so just to chime in on what you said with connecting with the other people at the booth I'm sure that there's some um, similarity the word that I'm trying to come up with there you go that you all have which means that there's opportunities just like you said that you can help each other help your clients. So I love that. Um, and, and really quick, I want to mention, because you mentioned the license opportunity, which we're really not um, uh, talking about that uh, in the show today, but I want to bring that up because it kind of ties into what I just said, is um, you know the ability to really take all of the work and effort and time and hours and sweat and pain that somebody else has put into their program and be able to plug in and utilize that help their your clients. So can you share a little bit about what this licensing um, uh, agreement and program looks like? 
Well, sure. We created a program called the Life Goes On Roadmap that makes it easy for people to get their personal financial lives organized so that if something should happen to one or the other partner, the other will be able to look after the other and also champion them and also drive life forward in the event that it's very dire. Well, it just sort of the light went on that there are financial advisors across the country who could benefit from using the same system. So we are so happy that as a result of attending this trade show and having this arms wide open approach, we came home with quite a few new licensees of our system who love it. They've been wishing to create something just like it. They just haven't had the bandwidth. But now that we've created something they can brand as their own, they can serve their clients in this very powerful fiduciary way and earn, um, set themselves apart in the marketplace and empower people everywhere in this very important way. So we're super excited about it. And uh, and thanks for allowing me to talk about it. Yeah. You know, I, I came from that world, actually. So the simpler you can make it for people, there's a lot of moving parts when, it's, when we talk about planning a life. And a lot of even great financial planners often miss a lot of those little details and steps. So, Nancy, do they just go on and start from the beginning and work their way through and kind of life events, or how does it work? Well, it's sort of plug and play. Uh, we have we have a, guide bo- a guidebook that's your GPS to success. We have a digital organizer that's like a s- fancy-dancy spreadsheet. You can enter Neat. all of your information. We even have a really fun game board that you can play to stay on track so that you can follow so the fun. yellow brick road to like, become an like I'm ready for game. anything um, road tripper for the rest of your life then you would want to tell all your friends so all of this gets customized for the advisor but it's also available for purchase from our website at a very affordable price and it's a gift that nobody will regret receiving and it's a trip you'll never regret taking yeah love that so as we're wrapping things up here uh, final tips additional tips that you have for our listeners be prepared to make sales at the event. Yeah. Don't be there speaking and for, leave your order form in the hotel room. Don't rem, don't forget your square if you're able to collect money. One really quick story, I was at an event, this woman gave this great talk, and everybody was thinking they wanted to buy from her, and she said, oh, my order form's in the hotel room. Oh, my God. And I yeah. said, what room is it? I'll go get it for you. Yeah. She had the whole room ready to buy, but she wasn't prepared to collect the money. Don't wow. let this happen to you. I love that. And I you know, always say the task is to ask because people need what you have and the services that you have to provide, but you have to ask in order to find out who really is there to say yes. So Nancy, thank you so much for joining us again uh, here on our show and always appreciate you. Thanks. And if folks are curious about Life Goes On Roadmap, there's a free gift you can get at lifegoesonroadmap.com. Thank you, Nancy. Coming up next on the Money Hour, the Seattle shutdown. Britt Whitmer with Avenue Properties right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you looking for a real estate agent who will take the time to listen to your needs and will be your greatest advocate when it comes to buying or selling your home? Deanna Barley with Keller Williams Realty goes above and beyond and is an agent you can trust. Deanna uses her expertise to represent her clients effectively and enjoys helping them achieve their real estate goals. Hi, this is Deanna Barley, and I'd like to be your biggest advocate for all your real estate needs. Give me a call at 253-468-5062. That's 253-468-5062. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, 
and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, August 11th show. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Britt. Whitmer with Avenue Properties, the Seattle shutdown. Britt, thank you. I was kind of just hanging there with like the Seattle shutdown. Thanks for coming in, Britt. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. And a little bit about Britt. Britt is the principal broker at Britt Whitmer Real Estate Group, Avenue Properties, equipped with 15 back-to-back years as a top producer broker. Britt capitalizes on her experience, her Rolodex of her strong negotiation skills to help clients achieve their real estate objectives. Focused on West Bellevue and the greater Seattle area, Britt provides a luxury real estate experience at all price points. She also provides complimentary staging, professional organizational help, and home prep project management that helps her clients get their home ready seamlessly and easily. Britt's passion is maximizing her clients' real estate investments and making each and every real estate journey a positive one. So Britt, uh, we're hearing generally uh, that there's a market shift. So you're on the front lines. I'd love to hear, what are you seeing? Well, you know, about two months ago, actually it was back in May when the Amazon head tax thing came out. That's when the whole thing kind of came to a slow grind. Uh-huh. Um, we had been seeing so much multiple offers, so many more buyers than there were sellers. And then suddenly, and I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the, the cause, but at that point, um, listings just kept coming out and buyers just took a, a backseat. So we mm-hmm. have seen a market slowdown. We've seen an absolute increase in inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now up to about... Um, 1.7 months of inventory, whereas back in uh, November, December, we were at half a month. So it feels like a huge amount of inventory. It does feel slower, but in the real scheme of things, it's more, we're getting more toward a balanced market. Yeah, which is really good. I mean, that's what we want to aim for is to have that balanced market. Um, and, you know, I love what you said with the, the, Amazon and the, the media, because really in, in the media space, not here as much, but majority of the media, media space, it is fear-based and fear-based yeah. uh, changes consumers' confidence. And then that has a, a compound effect there and how it's going to affect our market. So yes, I think you're definitely right that that has something to do with it. So Brett, what other reasons can you uh, think of for this shift in the market? Well, you know, we've had such a long run of a lack of inventory, a huge number of buyers moving into the neighborhoods, into the city of Seattle. Um, and so it's it's the combination of uh, people wait, waiting on the sidelines a little bit, mm-hmm. the fact that it's summertime. August is generally the my slowest month of the year. Um, and it's interest rates. Um, that's That's been one of the things that I've been hearing out there um, by buyers that, that are keeping them on the sidelines a bit. And I, you know, Caitlin, I mean, we're in the industry doing mortgages mm-hmm. every single day. 
And the, you know, interest rates, there's been such, you know, a huge increase in interest rates starting at the beginning of January, you mm-hmm. know, when rates were three and three quarters, and now we're sitting at four and three quarters, so a percent increase in rate. And the funny thing is, is really the, the difference in the mortgage payment is not as extreme as you may think that it that it is, but just the fact that they're increasing and it's dropping that buying potential a little bit when they're already tight and strapped and what they can do on their own personal payment objectives. So yes, um, Brett, I agree that that's a, that's a big a big piece of it. I, I think it's the psychology too. You know, people say interest rates going up and it's like that fear of missing out thing, you know, like yeah. and, and selling your home, you're at the top of the market. Am I going to get the most money for it? And mm-hmm. missing the bus, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't want to be that guy where the market goes back down and you don't get the top dollar for it. So a lot of people are wondering, I mean, have we hit the top of the market, do you think? or? I think we have yeah. um, on this cycle. Uh, just all the indicators are there. We've all been waiting on bated breath for the top, and you can only ever see the top when you're looking backwards. Yeah. And I don't think that we're going to see a huge crash at all, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in this chat, I think. But, um, yeah, I think that we've seen the top of the market. And I love how you you uh, disclosed it with this cycle because we've all been in the industry for many years. I've been over two decades, and I have to say that I really do believe that I have seen every market in every cycle. And, you know, guaranteed in real estate that the market will always go up and it will always go down, have a flat. There's going to be that movement in the market. Um, but it really is the safest investment because it's something that you're always going to have unless you're renting. So it really doesn't matter if you don't time the market perfectly as long as you're not forced to sell in a bad market and you're not reinvesting, correct? Correct. And what I'm trying to – I'm not saying that prices will never go higher than they mm-hmm. are right now. I'm just saying that yes. you can't expect to have a 17% gain exactly. year by year for the next five years. Yes, yeah. No, I think that's um, uh, so important, Britt. So uh, some people are asking if we're heading for a crash. How do you answer that question when you're talking with your buyers and and your sellers? There's absolutely not a chance that we're Uh headed for a crash. Uh Um, And the reason is the way that mortgages have been given out or applied for. <laughs> yes. You can't give out a mortgage, but um, how well, they've been applied for. the financial for, crisis, they gave it out a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Bit, I mean, I was yeah. given, I think I had five houses at yeah. one time, yeah. and even I had a reverse arm mortgage. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I've been there and I've enjoyed those uh, bizarre mortgages. But, yes. um, you know, having just bought a house back in November, uh, boy, it is stringent. And they yeah. do not give loans to people who can't qualify. So because of that, unless people are starting to lose their jobs mm-hmm. everywhere, um, there's no way that we could have a crash. Yeah, I love that. And it's, and it's so so true that there the issue was the lack of um, thought process behind and how you were lending when you were doing zero down loans, stated income loans with no job, no credit. I mean, just really anything went. And when the market shifted a little bit and people just decided whether it was strategic or not to walk away from their home. So we've really got that safeguard uh, this time around. And you can ask, uh, listening, you may not no, but if you look at the if you look at the real estate market and the employment market, they always follow each other. So mm-hmm. most people can predict a little bit easier what they think employment's going to do than mm-hmm. real estate. So I would ask anyone that's listening that thinks that we're coming up for a crash, where do you think our employment's going? In our local market right here. And there's your answer, just as Britt says, that we're not going to see the market crash. 
crash. Well, and that I am speaking just from a Seattle perspective. I, yeah, I of course. do not follow real estate around uh-huh. the country, but for here and our economic indicators, our yeah. great employment, yeah. our technology sector, I mean, yeah. I just don't see it. So if I'm listening right now, I'm thinking about, okay, I might be getting ready to sell my home because we might be towards the tippy top. We're not going for a crash anytime soon. So uh, what can homeowners do to get their house sold in this market? Well, now more than ever, because competition amongst homes are is higher than it's been for years and years. So we have a little bit less buyers, but a lot more homes on the market. So you have to have your house completely prepared from top to bottom. It's never been more important because buyers are are able to be picky. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and they are taking their time to, to look and, and make sure that they're making a savvy decision for themselves because they also know that, hey, we're we're here at the top, but I still need a new place to live. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, making sure that your house is completely prepared. And then also it's time to start discounting for those flaws that, you know, maybe yeah. three, four months ago you could have gotten away with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing dark basements, arterial streets, um, oh, flaws like not enough bathrooms on the, on the proper floor. I mean, people are turning down houses for, yeah. you know, what, I would never have heard commentary like that four to six months ago. So. Yeah, and we've had a couple contracts come over in the recent with uh, contingent on their home selling. Uh, I've had a couple that have backed out during the inspection. It's like, what? Where's the? Where did somebody get an opportunity <laughs> to get an inspection without doing a free inspection? So yeah, it's interesting to uh, to be working and seeing that shift. So switching over, Keelan, you know, asked you about sellers and really preparing to get top dollar. Mm-hmm. dollar. What about buyers? What are buyers doing? Are they out there seeing and excited about this opportunity? Or are they slowing up and getting in the market? What are you seeing with your buyers? Um, well, they are being more picky, uh, uh-huh. which is fantastic for them. It's a great opportunity to you know, to take your time because generally speaking, um, the offer review dates, no longer seeing those. So there's less pressure to get everything dialed in right before a certain date. Yeah. So buyers are taking their time and but there is also opportunity to do contingent offers, which you mm-hmm. just talked about. I've mm-hmm. been uh, been able to get two clients very recently into contingent homes, um, so it's making it a lot more uh, a lot easier for buyer buyers and sellers if they're the same person yeah. to be able to move forward with a whole lot less risk you know that's a great point because that was one thing that slowed the market up is you know for a listening a contingent offer is basically you have a home to sell and you want to buy another home and you want to be able to go contingent on your offer getting accepted not knowing if you're going to get a buyer on your home so if for some reason you don't you can back out and you're not out anything um, you can be bumped by the seller mm-hmm. if another offer comes in but the problem and one of the issues that we have is just as you said, Britt, is as a seller, they couldn't get a contingent offer on their buy side. So then they were afraid to sell because what if they don't, you know, what if they can't find another home? So we've eliminated that. And that's why when you talk about a balanced market, why it's no matter if you're a buyer or a seller, you really do want to be in a balanced market because yes. it gives a balance for everyone. And so, yeah. I'm excited about our little shift in the market. Yeah, it's coming back to uh, normal-ish, uh-huh. I wouldn't say compared to the nation, but it's Seattle. It is what it is. So, uh, Britt, let's talk about investment properties a little bit. I know there's a ton of people with the with the market. They've got a ton of equity, let's call it, or even an, you know a separate property. What about cashing out now, considering we're kind of at this possible peak of the market? What are your thoughts on that? 
I've had about three different clients call me um, just very recently. Hey, mm-hmm. we got to we got to get this place sold now. Um, what about my condo? Um, I've been holding, 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 and um, you know, it's it's you have to look at each property differently mm-hmm. um, at each micro market, really. So. A, a conversation that I had with a seller that had a, a Queen Anne condo. Well, one month there was two active uh, competitive properties, and then you look the next month and there's 20. Wow. So, you know, in that particular case, it was let's rent for another year. So mm-hmm. that you're, at this particular moment, let's let's keep it um, cash flowing. Yeah. Sure. Um, but if you're not cash flowing, um, I would definitely say this could be a really good time to to offload. Most people are cash flowing though if they have an investment property. Yeah, yeah. So Brett, that crystal ball that you carry with you all the time, what is it telling for your saying to you that was going to happen last part of 2018? Well, this is uh, my gift is my crystal ball. I'm only <laughs> kidding. No one can see into the future, but I what I can do is just tell what's been happening in the market from my experience, what's what I'm predicting. Um, I think that a lot will be told come September because August is generally quite slow uh-huh. and September generally picks back up once um, school's back in session, and et cetera. Um, I do see a lot of stagnant listings, um, ones that people have priced their homes based off of multiple offer situations back in May and March. And um, so people are going to have to start getting real that, you know, when there was only one person, oh, excuse me, when there was 10 people trying to buy one home. Um, that end price is going to be a lot different than one person trying to buy one home. So uh, I think we're going to have to see some price reductions on these homes that have been sitting on the market for 45 days based on old prices. Um, So I do see price reductions happening, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that that's – it's not saying that the market is crashing again to kind of loop back around. What it's saying is we're getting realistic. We're – now selling one home to one buyer rather than um, the other way. So I think we'll see some price reductions. Um, and I do, th- but I do think that things will continue to sell um, approximately at the same pace right now. I'd be, um, be pretty surprised if we, if we end up having more than two to three months of inventory at any market here in Seattle. Yeah. And, you know, it's really great. I mean, the, you know, the call to action, obviously buyers get out there, there's homes out there, you can yeah. get some deals, you can do some creative things and get your offer accepted. For a seller, great news is if you're a seller and you're going to be a buyer, most of the time you're buying up, this is a great market. It's a better market than where you came from before you sold your home because the more expensive house that you're going to buy, if if the market has slowed down a little bit, it's it's okay that you lose if you're selling your for a little bit less because you're buying that more expensive one Absolutely. for a little bit less. Absolutely. So you're you're buying and selling in the same market. Yes. So you're you're exactly what you said. Yeah. And you know, I have seen um over the last couple of years people are just absolutely not willing to sell because there's nowhere to buy exactly and now there's that's going to be changing too yeah so, so great, i do great i do see there. some great things happening yeah. but also you know it's this shift we'll yeah s- well like you said realistic be real yep yeah be real Love it thank you so much Britt, for coming back in really appreciate your expertise and the wealth of knowledge that you have well i thank you for having you back Coming up next to the Money Hour, thinking outside the box in today's market. Deanna Barley with Keller Williams Realty Everett right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break.
Are you looking for a real estate agent who will take the time to listen to your needs and will be your greatest advocate when it comes to buying or selling your home? Deanna Barley with Keller Williams Realty goes above and beyond and is an agent you can trust. Deanna uses her expertise to represent her clients effectively and enjoys helping them achieve their real estate goals. Hi, this is Deanna Barley, and I'd like to be your biggest advocate for all your real estate needs. Give me a call at 253-468-5062. That's 253-468-5062. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, August 11th show. We bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market on everything when it comes to your money. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with a guest that we have on the show. Please call the show at one 855 a little bit about Deanna, Deanna and your real estate with Keller Williams. Give me a call at 253 4688 so, Deanna, we talked, uh, I mean, we've talked many times before, and you always talk about good relationships with your agent, how important a relationship is. How important is it to have a good relationship with your real estate agent? Well, you know, it's really important. I mean, it's just like any other relationship, right? You want to feel comfortable in it. You want to know that your agent has your best interests in mind, and you can trust them with your decisions. Um, you want to feel like you can go to them with any questions or concerns that you have. Um, and this is one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your life, right? So you want to feel uh, 100% comfortable about it. Um, I would say communication is the most important part about that relationship. You want to be able to talk to the agent, and you want to know that you're being understood as well. You know, you want your agent, too, to go above and beyond. You want to know that they'll do those things for you. And it is said that communication is the key to a successful relationship, and, you know, communication is the key to a successful transaction as well. Yeah, well said, Deanna. I'm, uh, I like how you talk about communication and being understood, especially in this market right now, as we talked with uh, Britt earlier, the shift in the market and what we're seeing. There's a lot of uh, buyers and sellers that really need extra communication and extraly to be understood what their questions are to explain what's happening in the market. So how do you go be of, be above and beyond in your relationship with your clients in this market that we're in right now today, Deanna? Right. Well, um, by listening and thinking outside the box. So 
Um, clients want to know that they're being listened to, right? Um, having worked in customer service for seven years, I realized how important it is to really listen to customers initially and really find out what they're looking for and what their needs are. This will save a lot of hassle in the future um, and a lot of frustration on both sides of the transaction. Another thing I think is important is thinking outside the box. So I think we as agents can sometimes get um, used to doing the same procedures and general searches mm -hmm. um, over and over again. And I think there are different methods and different platforms that can be used and different strategies depending on each individual circumstance. And those circumstances need to be evaluated so you can see how you can go above and beyond which, with each individual client. And it's so important to be prudent so we can avoid those potential roadblocks in the future. And you know, thinking outside the box can be a lot more work at times, and mm -hmm. sometimes it may not pan out. But you know what? Sometimes it does, and um, it's definitely worth the effort. Yeah, it makes a lot. You know, even with us, Tina, a lot of times, some. I mean, we, we think out of the box a little bit, do, don't we? We do. We, yeah. I think we do a pretty good job of uh -huh. it. But sometimes, if you ever get that, you got to kind of dig with people because they have this facade of they don't yeah. really want to tell you all the facts and everything. <laughs> That's so important, and so that helps you to think outside the box, right? Mm -hmm. So. Give us some examples. Do you have any examples you can think of, Deanna, uh, where you thought outside of the box? Sure. You know, it's one of my favorite stories. So I had these clients. They were looking for a multi-level, um, multi-family, sorry, multi-family property, a mother-in-law um, in Snohomish County, around 400 k So this was really hard to find at that price range. Um, we weren't finding homes for months and months. And they were getting really discouraged and thinking that they were never going to find a home. So I knew I had to do something different than what I was doing, something more and uh, think outside the box, so to speak, right? So I started looking outside their price range, and I found a, a home that was perfect for them, suited their needs, but, but it was about 25000 more than their max budget. So I told them just to put an offer in at their max at 400 and see what happened. So they did, and at that time, the sellers um, weren't ready to accept that offer. And so about a month later, I kept my, my eye on that home. About a month later, I went back to the seller um, and asked if they would consider our original offer, being that that home was on the market for over a month or so. Um, they still weren't ready, but about two or three weeks later, they called me and they said they were ready to accept my client's offer at their original price of 400K. Mm -hmm. So just by not Huge giving success. up, yeah, yeah, it was so exciting. I mean, it suited their needs. It was perfect for them. And just by not giving up and kind of going outside the general search and um, doing a little more, we found a home for them, and um, which would otherwise not be on their radar, right? It wasn't yeah. even in their price range, but... Um, it worked out, and I was so happy for that. Well, and, you know, you uh, talk about the relationship with your uh, real estate expert. We talk about in the show, um, you know, working with the best of the best, and that's who we invite in studio and, and you know, why you're here, Deanna. Um, and being uh, with a smaller percentage that really is looking for those opportunities for the individual market strategy to think out of the box, as you uh, say. And I know you mentioned it's a, it's a little more work, um, but for the most part, it's a higher success rate for you, more importantly, for your buyers and sellers on whichever side that you're thinking out of the box in. So I, I love that. So Deanna, um, some things that first-time homebuyers may not be aware of that, that you're sharing uh, today. Sure. Um, I think first-time homebuyers aren't aware that they don't have to pay their buyer's agent and that they work on commission. They're not paid until a deal closes and they're paid by the seller. So they have the same interest in mind as the buyer, right? Finding them a home that suits their needs. Another thing that buyers need to be aware of is that they have to be pre-approved before they can even buy a home. And it sounds simple to us, but I think a lot of first-time home buyers aren't aware of that. And 
even most agents won't even start showing them a home until they are pre-approved. Yeah. Um, they also have to be aware that they need to be prepared to pay closing costs, which can be about 2% of the selling price. And this is cash out of their own pocket. So one thing that they can do to think outside the box <laughs> is they can um, add that amount of closing costs to the asking or offer amount. Mm -hmm. So this way they can wrap it up in their loan and the seller is still getting um, the price that they're asking for. And we want to make sure we do that instead of just ask for selling or closing costs to be paid um, in a seller's market because that's not a strong offer. Yeah, and, and I love that. And this is the other thing about, you know, still we're in a seller's market without a doubt, but the fact that it's getting more to a, a balanced market, that buyers have the ability to do some of these out-of-the-box things that the idea, what, a buyer may have thought of doing before the market shifted a little bit is if they need that money, they'll pay extra for the house and then some, but just the idea of having it there, they wouldn't get their offer accepted. So it's nice to, it's nice to be able to, uh, to do that. So Deanna, what should a buyer do to get their offer accepted? Well, first off, they want to get a good lender that they can trust, right? Um, having a good lender is just as important as having a good agent. So, you know, give Tina and Keelan a call. They Thank can you. <laughs> they can definitely get you underwritten, which will also strengthen your offer. If you get pre under I'm sorry, pre underwritten. Um, if you get pre underwritten, then you get ahead of the game, right? You can close sooner within a couple weeks and it definitely strengthens the offer. One thing that they can also do is get a pre inspection done. This will give them the opportunity to waive the inspection contingency when they put in their offer, and this also will make them have a stronger offer. But they have to be prepared to pay for the pre-inspection. It is the same cost as an inspection, about four or $500 um, depending, right? So um, this is cash out of their own pocket as well, and it doesn't guarantee them um, to get their offer accepted. It just gives them a stronger offer. So they want to be pretty serious about the home that they're doing the pre-inspection yeah. on. Um, one thing that is fun that I have my buyers do um, that they can do to go above and beyond is to write a letter about themselves. You know, tell their story, talk about their family, um, talk about the why they love the home they're putting an offer on, talk about their dog, talk about whatever, right? Just mm -hmm. build a connection with the seller. Um, you know, some people might think that that doesn't work and sellers only care about the bottom dollar, which is true, you know, a lot of the times, but... Um, it's, it's not always true. And I've seen these letters actually affect a seller's decision. Well, we make decisions based on emotions. And so those, a lot of times those emotions can take over the facts or the dollars. And so, yes, I've seen many times that our buyers have had offers accepted uh, because of the additional warm and fuzzy side that goes into that contract. Uh, so we talked about first-time homebuyers, what they may not know about. What about the first-time seller? that was a first time buyer, now they're gonna be selling the first time. What might they not know about? Sure, they wanna be um, prepared for the closing costs as well. And one of the big ones is excise tax. It can be about 1.8% um, of the selling price, which can be an, a significant amount of money, right? And I've seen a lot of sellers uh, be shocked at that number and they're not aware of it until mm -hmm. they get into the process. So a good agent will do a net proceeds for them and let them be aware of what their closing costs will be ahead of time. Um, and also, I think that they are not aware that buyers determine the market. So some sellers can overvalue their house, like you were saying, um, based on emotional connections, personal mm -hmm. connections with the home, and they don't um, go with the facts that the home is only worth what a buyer will pay in today's market. And unfortunately, unfortunately, is not what the seller has put into the home. Um, 
but it's what a buyer will pay for it. And comps and recently solds will tell them those numbers and a good agent will help them find um, the appropriate price to list their home at. Deanna, tell us about uh, how we can get a top dollar. And we've been talking about selling, uh, you know, speaking of with Britt, kind of the peak of the market. Selling seems to be a theme. What can they do if they're thinking about it to get the top dollar out of their home? Right. What Britt said, you know, get your home into tip-top shape. Um, first impressions are everything. You want to make sure you do everything that's been on your honey-do list, you know, since the time you live there, right? So do touch-up paint, do cleaning, declutter, depersonalize the home, um, do your yard maintenance, pull your weeds, you know, all the basic things that will give a good first impression. Uh, for example, I went into a home. It was a beautiful home, uh, hardwood floor, great neighborhood. And the first impression was it was really filthy. A big mm. dirty rug was covering the hardwood floor. There was carpet pulled out in different areas of the home. And there's, you know, animal feces on the rug. And it just wasn't Ooh. presentable. Mm. And, you know, that, that house stood on the market for... Um, for a long time and they got 25 less than they were asking so one thing they can do too uh, like we mentioned you can change uh, out the carpet it can change the overall appearance of the home uh, depending on how dated the kitchen is lab countertops really add value uh, quartz is really popular right now it's beautiful and low maintenance uh, backsplash is one of my favorite things it also is low maintenance and although it might not add a ton of value it really changes the overall appearance of the kitchen. And um, one other thing too, a pre-inspection. Um, if they get a pre-inspection, they can one, fix anything that comes up on that pre-inspection to get their home ready. And then two, um, buyers have the opportunity to accept that pre-inspection and um, they can avoid the inspection game after mutual acceptance, the back and forthness of that. Yeah, speaking of the industry, we've heard uh, first impression can be your lasting impression. And then I always add to it that it will extend to others' impressions. So it's really, really important uh, there. So I'd love to, as we're wrapping up our time here, uh, to mention in, in your bio, you talked about your Southeast Asian uh, Asia Orphan Foundation, and you're really passionate about that. Can you share a little bit about that? I'd love to. Um, so... The CEOF is how we shorten it. It um, is located in Vietnam, like you said. It's structured around helping orphans and giving them hope for the future. Um, the number one cause of orphans in Vietnam, it's interesting enough, is traffic-related accidents. The traffic there is horrendous. Um, and also unique to their culture there is um, if a child loses their father and the mother remarries, then that man most of the time will not raise another man's son. Oh so my gosh, that's terrible. It is. Essentially, they become orphans. Um, so this foundation really helps those children and gives them hope. And there are a couple different programs. You can sponsor a child $25 a month, mm -hmm. which is what, like four Starbucks for us here, four yeah. Starbucks a month. We can give that up. Yeah. And it gives them food, clothing, education, um, shelters them and helps them um, be self-sufficient for the future. It can teach trades or um, educational schooling. The other program that they have that really interests me being a real estate agent is they can uh, build a home for orphans for just $2,200. So we're paying 200,000 here, oh, half crazy. a million. It's 2, super, 2,200 bucks. Wow. And so that builds them a home, um, gives them shelter to orphans who are otherwise living on the street and um, with literally no shelter and starving to death. So, you know, my husband's been actually over there and he's seen that ministry firsthand and there is a great need there. Um, and we love giving back to this foundation. Um, we get pictures in the mail of, you know, children we sponsor, mm -hmm. pictures of the homes, and it's really great. And actually, every deal that I close, I give back to CEOF. Um, so that's part of the reason why I do what I do. 
I believe that um, everything that I have is a gift and I want to be able to give back because it truly is better to give than to receive. Well, so, yeah. love that. And I can just see your eyes sparkling when you talk about the foundation and uh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And if anyone else wants to learn more about it, um, please just go to seaoff.org. That's S-E-A-O-F.org. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for Deanna coming, uh, coming into studio. It was a pleasure having you here and we look forward to having you come back. Thank you so much. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We're signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Look forward to seeing you here again next Saturday, right here, same time, same place, at 1150 AM, KKNW. Have a great weekend, everyone. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.